Welcome to Lisa's Book Club. We're super excited because we're continuing our discussion on more than a body. Um, Your body is an instrument, not an ornament. And I have a special guest, my friend Natalie. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. We have been talking a lot about this book. Yes, even it's so good. in between here. And so I wanted, and I kept saying, save the gems, because you said it's like drinking from a fire hydrant or fire hose, a little, right? Like, a little bit. It's felt like that mainly because, um, and we were just saying this too, I feel like so much of what they describe in this book is like, oh, I thought it was just me and my own mental hurdles and my own issues. And the way that they're able to say like, no, this like this is very, this is a common, it's like an ocean we're all in, if that makes sense, and the way that they put it. Um, I loved that. I loved how I immediately just felt like, oh, so I'm not insane. Like, right, right. <laughs> so, like, most women go through this with their bodies, too. Yeah, and, and we hide a lot of it, I think, because of that, those feelings of shame. Yes. So, right at the beginning, we're in Chapter 3, from self-objectification to mm-hmm. self-actualization. Yeah. I, I um, was immediately struck and I think really pulled in by just the very beginning, like, have you ever stayed home or not participated in an activity, anything, because of how you looked? Because yeah. you were worried about how you looked. Right. Not necessarily how you looked. Yeah. Did that g- give you yes, pause? of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, like, who would say no to that? I'm like, I think back, especially when I was younger, like, teenage, college age, I remember doing that more often. Really? I feel like, I feel like now, I don't know, um, I... I had a really weird experience, and you'll probably relate to this too. This is just like an actress thing, but maybe it's not an actress thing. Where like sometimes I, I was reading this, especially about the self objectification of like thinking about how you look from an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. When like it's kind of your job to be aware of like a camera angle or how you're looking, That's super or interesting. like is this emotion gonna read this mm-hmm. way if I'm doing it this way? Or that you have to be so aware of how you look. That, like, how do you create a healthy boundary there that that's just not, like, the way you live life? Like, it took me right back. And I don't think it was that question necessarily, but it was more of, like, a time that you caught yourself really Mm self-objectifying. And I remember when we were on Studio C, and I had all three of my pregnancies on Studio C. I was postpartum three times. Like, like Mm -hmm. my body looks different in every season because it was, you know, it was going through a lot of stuff. And I remember we would have dress rehearsal on Thursday nights. They go really late. Friday before the show, we'd all get together and watch all the dress rehearsal footage. And the point of the dress rehearsal was to make sure the camera angles are right and to be aware of things that were going on. But in my mind, I spent so much energy of like, oh, I got to suck in here. I got to I gotta move on this angle. I got to make sure this doesn't look good. That shirt is a little baggy. I should tuck it. Like I was paying attention to how I looked more than like my performance or my lines or was the joke landing. I spent so much energy on my appearance. Oh. And, and part of it— I, I feel bad, but yet I also relate to right. that. Where and I th- don't think that I thought that, that I was— like no, I thought objectifying. I thought I was doing my job. Me too. Right? Yeah. But like with that show in particular, like, hello, you're not a supermodel. You're on a sketch comedy show. Like, right. it's your job to be funny. Right. You know, like focus on that kind of thing. I wish I could go back and tell myself that, but I immediately was like brought back to that footage room of like, oh yeah, I would literally just like write down what I needed to do differently in my body. Oh. <laughs> but like, again, I thought that was my job. Right. And so that was a weird... I didn't even realize I was doing it until I read the book. 
If that makes sense. Yeah, it totally I'm makes like, sense. Oh, yeah, that's an insane thing to do. Like, who wants to waste so much energy on, like, how they look versus, like, look at this great job you have and this fun thing you get to do with your friends instead of, like, oh, man. Right. I really, sh- I really should have tried to lose those 10 pounds before season starts. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I do, yes. unfortunately, know <laughs> what you mean. Um, and that self-objectification, meaning that your your identity is split into two, yes. was really eye-opening oh, to me. To, I, I've never heard it put that way, but that's exactly how it feels. It does, because it feels like you're you and what you think and what you're trying to do or create, and then you're observing yourself from the outside, looking in like, how are other people seeing me? Right. And sometimes I have thought, oh, this is just a, the, an actress thing. But right. it's not. Yes. Everybody. And, I, and I'm like, oh, I've got to fight against that. Yeah. Because I, you know, am in a weird industry or people right. comment on my looks, even though that's not my job. Right. I mean, I literally, literally do but a it, podcast. Right. Right. <laughs> but now we're filming it. But now we're filming it. Dang it. I'm just kidding. No. Um, no, but it is so, it's such a strange um, split in my mind, too, with the career mm-hmm. thing, where, you know, Part of the roles you get, part of the things you do is w- how you look, right? You have to fit yeah. a certain look. You have, And that's part of the toxicity in that industry anyway. And I think it's getting better and better. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I'm just, as I've read this chapter, I've been like, man, my whole 20s was like, mm-hmm. I felt like I had to self-objectify to be good at, at my, my job. job. Oh. And no one said that to me. It no, just, but that is the assumption. That's that's the you know they they mm-hmm. talk about we're all in this like ocean of self objectification and we we we're all trying to like make our own rafts in it. And well, and okay, so I want to push back a little bit because sometimes there is, I mean, it is part of the craft. Like I'm thinking whether it's on the stage or or for acting in front of the camera too. Mm-hmm. You have to find your light. You do. You, you have, have to like know your you angle. Have you have to, to know to your aware. angles because yeah. it is a visual medium. Right. And so it's not completely, but see, then this is where my brain like goes down the, it, it like any good thing, art included, it can yeah. cross the line and totally. where it becomes too much and destructive. No, I agree. And I think, I think it's more about finding that balance of like, okay, I'm on a set, I'm doing my job. I need to be, you know, I need to make sure I'm delivering what they've hired me to do, all that kind of stuff. But your value and your like everyday life doesn't yes, have to be yeah. so like, oh, I love that, you know, pulling at things. And like they give the example really early of like, have you ever been at the gym on the treadmill mm-hmm. and like pulled down your shirt or pulled things yeah. down because you're imagining what the guy behind you must be seeing on the treadmill? It's like, yes, of uh, like, oh, wait a minute, is there another way to think? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's kind of how it felt. It's like, yes, of course, it's how I feel whenever I'm there. Yeah, you're I'm always just aware of people looking at you, right? And the th- the point that gets you, it really got me at the beginning of this chapter was when we are doing that, when we're so concerned with being, when we're picturing ourselves, we're not living fully. Oh, totally. And that's when I was thinking, okay, so if I'm worried too much about, you know, finding my light or the right angle or whatever, or worried about like what I'm wearing, then I'm not, I'm not acting, I'm not creating, I'm not in the moment. You're not in the flow. I'm not in the flow. And they talk a lot about the flow. And I wondered from your creative standpoint what you thought about that flow I feel like I've definitely felt in the flow and I've definitely felt self-conscious on like you know I've, I've had moments like that for sure so that idea for 
people who aren't familiar with, like it talks about in chapter three of mm-hmm. just being so lost in in creating and not outside of it that you can really get into it. Yeah. And it's such a great feeling. I feel like for me, that's happened more often in a writer's room than in front of a camera, which I guess makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) When you're being filmed or, you know, another strange thing. And again, this might be too niche for actresses, so you can cut this out if you need to. But like when you're on a set and it's like two teams' job, is your appearance, if that makes yeah. sense. There's like, there's a hair and makeup team and there's a wardrobe team yeah. and there's a lighting team. It's like, there's all these people here just for how you look on that camera, right? And so I think that's such a strange, it's obviously not reality, but it's such a strange way to be. And so I feel like when I am on camera, I it's harder for me to be more present, which makes mm-hmm. sense, I think, and something I'm definitely working on. But when I'm like more in a writer's situation, especially around people I'm super comfortable with, and maybe this is more of like a culture thing too, but like, you you know this, like if you're writing from home, you can be in your pajamas and comfortable and like your appearance has nothing to do with what's on the page. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely felt more times in a flow when I'm just like not even thinking about how I'm looking or feeling. It's more about what I'm actually focused on. It's so interesting. That is so interesting. I think that the times that I've been in flow is when I've had to like give myself permission to. Yes. So sometimes like on set, if if we're, especially if we're doing improv or something like that, and you're just trying to create. Right. Sometimes knowing that there's somebody like with hair and makeup or wardrobe is sort of freeing because I think they'll figure it out so I don't have to sure. worry about it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great like mindset shift. But I, I do have to make a conscious choice. Yeah. Like to f- just flip it and over. And that probably just flags like the people pleaser in me. Like, I can't tell you how many times I'd show up to set and I'd be like, I'm so sorry, I have a zit. I'm, your whole day is going to be so hard. Yeah. <laughs> like for my makeup. And they'd be like, it's fine. That's why we're you here. You know, that's so interesting <laughs> that you bring that up though, because that people pleasing is part of of what they talk about yeah. in this and, and how we are are putting the other person who we're even imagining, so it's not even real. Right. Um, their sort of comfort and and approval above our own right. just sense of being. Right. Which when you put it like that— It, it sounds insane. It sounds but insane. I do it all the time. Yeah. And anyway, it's crazy. Oh, I found this. Flow is a mental state in which you are fully immersed in a feeling of energized focus, full involvement, and enjoyment in an activity. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, that's just like watching little kids play. Right. Totally. And I— I And you know you just want the, them to have that feeling forever. Yeah. I that same quote I underlined and I wrote um, ugly characters on Studio C. <laughs> Let me yes. tell you why. So yes. like um, me and Mal and Wit would always talk about how anytime we had like prosthetics or like we played like an old crazy lady yes. or you know somebody somebody that looked really different and had nothing to do with like beauty if mm-hmm. that makes sense like an like yeah. a quote unquote ugly character or somebody who's like gross or different all of a sudden it was so free to play if that makes sense no, so, it does so, so much more than just like i'm natalie in the living room i don't know, you know if what I mean? you remember but i was a guest performer of course how can i forget on studio c where i played like a 90 year old balding grandma yeah. who was pregnant yeah it was supposed to be mal yeah and yeah. i got it it was, it and was, it was the best. The best. You nailed it. A balding grandma who was pregnant. It was yeah. Wonderful. Because, like, all of a sudden, I don't know. Then I got to be to just totally like silly. 
Yes. It does feel like kids playing. Because all of a sudden it's like, who cares? Who cares if I have rolls on my hips and like no, too much weight? So I'm I'm this like I'm playing like a balding middle aged man. And yeah. So, yeah. so it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Like my beauty doesn't matter in this moment. So I'm just gonna have tons of fun. And that is really interesting to me that it doesn't matter now. It like doesn't. because totally in the right. other that that may, makes the assumption then in all the other times that it matters. Right. And it. It doesn't. It doesn't, but it feels so much like it does. Anyway, it's such a—it's just a really interesting thing to it process. It really, really like now is. now being on the other end of it. Well, and it does make me think about to being on the other end of it, like what we what I missed out on, and then totally. like a resolve of like, oh, I'm not going to miss out on that again. Yes, that's how I feel. I feel like um, I remember when I first barely had my first kid, I had a swimming incident. They, the Authors talk a lot about how, like, they're invited swimming and they would always make excuses, mm-hmm. but they're big swimmers. And it, anyway, the swimming thing I related to, because I remember we were going to go to the pool or something with Jack as a baby, and I was so nervous that I didn't get in the pool. And I saw my husband having fun with him, and I was like, this is not the yeah. mom I'm going to be. I'm just yeah. not. And I'm really grateful for that experience because I, like, no matter how I'm feeling, I put on the suit and I get in the water. Mm-hmm. It's like no, nobody cares. Nobody's thinking about your body as much as you are. Like, that's what the kind of my self-talk of, like, no yeah. one cares. <laughs> no one yeah. cares what you look like. And you're just, you're kind of talking yourself out of having such fun experiences with your kids. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And I- I got really kind of depressed reading <laughs> the beginning of this chapter because of the statistics. Because oh my this gosh. is all based on research. I know. And I kind of hope I'm the, it's I know, getting better, it, but it was 71% of women ages 18 to 35 in our research, right? Self objectified without even knowing it. Yeah. Without even knowing it. Right. And 82.5% of women stay home from events or activities because of their 82% appearance. is so many people. It's like almost all of us have stayed home or, or regularly stay home. I wonder if that statistics changed after 2020. I don't know. Do you feel know. like it's worse or better? I, I, that is such <laughs> probably a good worse. question. I wonder. And, and it gets worse because then I was like, well, maybe it's just like a subset of us weirdos. Uh, no, it's like across all different <gasps> cultures and ages you and just think ethnicities of how much and backgrounds. Time and I'm like, that so it equates to like how much energy so and much. time. It that does break my heart. And, a little. Well, and that's that. It, it, and I love how they thread it right from those horrible statistics to asking the question, like turning it in on the reader, which I feel like is such a great device yeah. of saying, like, what joy have you missed out on? What creation and all this stuff. And and they're really gentle about it, but like. But very pointed. Yeah. And um, talking about that um, sort of uh, using that as a platform um, to jump off on saying, you know, we have some beauty work to do. Yes. I think I think they set up the problem really well. Yeah. And for I remember reading that and having like a panic for my daughters. I, uh, me too. I was like, no, no, no. My daughters can't be that 82%. Yep. <laughs> like I don't want them to be, mm-hmm. even though I'm— in that 82%. I'm yeah. sure you, like, at some point. I feel like I'm not really anymore, but I definitely my younger self, mm-hmm. I would be like, nah, I don't want to do that. You know, like, well, because I think it's I interesting because like I, I think we, I think you have to have constant vigilance because 
it's so pervasive in our society. Yeah. So we might think, oh, yeah, I don't care what I look like in a bathing suit anymore. Like, sure. that's not going to stop me. And then it'll be something else. Or it'll, then, then it'll you it'll actually like, put on the bathing suit and you're like, well, maybe I care a little. Yeah, and, <laughs> and why do I care? And then you get down on yourself for caring. And yes. then it's like another, like, cycle There's, because it's such a thing. Yeah. And it might not be weight, but it might be height. It might be oh, aging. Totally. It might be, like— in talking to a lot of different women about their bodies, it, it's it's different for every, every it's like you can pick anything and criticize it, and it's nuts. It makes me sad. It makes me sad and a little mad, yeah. but mainly mainly just like it's insane. Like I really like how they clearly outline like when your standard of happiness is a beauty standard. It's literally like. Beauty standards change constantly. All, yeah, all the time. Like, whatever's in. So you you just literally can't keep up. It's an impossible ideal. Well, and I read an article. Don't you love it when people say that uh-huh. and I don't cite it? I read most it. of an article. I re- uh-huh. You guys don't read so many articles. <laughs> and I that basically was saying that if you look at technology, and this makes a lot of sense, uh-huh. like the invention of, of, you know, television, but then now social media, it has um, expedited the cycle of sort of beauty trends. Right. And so now they're changing so quickly and so fast, fastly, yeah, yeah. it's becoming harder to keep up, but then you're spending more time and energy trying to keep up because yeah. there's so many points to What sort of a pivot. terrible, like, what a, like hamster wheel. It just yeah. sounds like, oh, so let's we're, just get we're all going to go crazy. That. Yeah. Let's just hop yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just opened up to the part that said, yeah, these things don't make you any happier in the long term. They don't even earn you love. Um, right. Being defined by our appearance is the real problem. Right. Like being defined by it. It's not what you look like. It's not changing it to fit a trend or whatever, but it's like being defined. Right. Oof. So what kind of beauty work are you doing? Well, <laughs> so like, what kind of work have you done? No, that's what usually like people say, but I mean like, how do you like Let me tell you. The only thing I'll say is I haven't done Botox because I'm terrified of needles. But I yeah. feel like I probably would have at some point if someone told me to, but I didn't. Yeah. Anyway. Um, you don't need it. Uh, and then what are we doing? I think, and then what are we doing? Then you, then you have to do one more thing. You know what I mean? I. Um, it's funny. During that section of like what they define as beauty yeah. work, which is more just like working on like why you do the things you do. Right. Why do you put on makeup in the morning? Why mm-hmm. do you, or do you not? And that's fine. Like like what do you, what kind of choices do you make with your beauty? I feel like now every time I get ready for the day, even get ready to come here, I feel like I normally would have tried on like a bunch of different outfits. Um, I would have been a little bit more, but I was like, this feels comfortable. And I just put it on and I I saved like 30 minutes of my day. That's great. <laughs> just from like a yeah. different a different idea of beauty work in my mind. Um, I I feel like I love, I love to put, I love to look put together, but I also... Um, I feel like in general, I'm a very lazy beauty person, if that makes any sense. Like, I've never dyed my hair. Mm-hmm. I cut my hair, like, once a year. Yeah. I take maybe five minutes, put on makeup, and I do eyelash extensions because it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. You've and got so your system. I, I do think a little bit of my laziness has helped me um, detach value to that a little bit. Yeah. Of, like, I, it's mainly just because, you know, I'm, I'm a mom. I don't have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I want to feel like I'm put together. Um, but I don't have a lot of time or money to spend on it. Right. So that's kind of, but anyway, that that was kind of my self-reflection for that section of like, huh, yeah, why do I do that? And why do I care so much about what I'm wearing and 
what angle this is and all that kind of stuff. Man, it's a ton of work. Yeah, is it for you or is it for someone else? It's really hard to know. I have a hard time with this because I like dressing up. Yeah. And I like makeup and I like, like I like yeah. as a, like a creative. Yes. And I like clothes and I like serums and things. Yes. You know, and, right. and some of that is self-care. And mm-hmm. But I'm like, where is the line? And I was having this conversation with my daughter yesterday in anticipation for this, actually. Yeah. And we were kind of talking about it because I kind of wanted to check in on her, you know, yeah. about how she was feeling at 15. Right. You know, about her appearance and things like that. And I said, you know, I just give myself a certain amount of time just to get ready. Uh-huh. And then I just try to forget about it the rest of the day. Yeah. Like I try to think, no, you already did that. Now it's time to do something else. That's a you good know, way instead to, of, yeah, give it its time. I, don't know. I think that's a really good, that's a really good piece of advice. I think it's important to check in with yourself. I think so too. Cause then there's also days where like if I feel like I'm not putting in an effort at all, I almost feel like my energy feels different, if that makes oh, sense. Yeah, totally. If I like don't shower for a few days, I yeah. wear the same clothes, you know, like if I'm just kind of Yeah, I don't feel it, like myself then. Then that's, I don't feel like that's really honoring yourself either. No. But I, so anyway, I think you're right. And honestly, what this chapter has taught me a lot about a lot of things about our body is it's about like our intention behind it. Just, is it for yeah. you? Is it for someone else? Yeah. I think that's a really good question to ask ourselves. That's a great focus. What is your intention on that? And this is a good place for us to end this episode. And on our next book club, we're going to tackle the second half of chapter three of More Than a Body. Mm-hmm. 